Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us with the Weekly Standard, Steve Hayes, who's been prowling around the backwaters of Capitol Hill. And Steve, what is the mood of the Democrats in D.C. right now? I would say it's fair to say that the mood of Democrats is concern. Um, you know, we've seen these shifts in the polls, some of them subtle and small, uh, some of them pretty big, towards Republicans, whether you're talking about the generic ballot, whether you're talking about individual races, even people who uh, just a few days ago or weeks ago were saying this, this looks not unlikely to be a Republican wave, are now saying, well, okay, maybe there might be a wave. Might be a small wave, but there might be a wave. Uh, what's interesting to me is the reaction from Republicans I'm getting when they see the new polls showing that the space is widening, that their lead is getting bigger, that the momentum's on their side. And uh, so many Republicans, Steve, have the same reaction I have, which is, okay, how are we going to screw this one up? Because there's got to be some, if there's anybody <laughs> who can blow this lead, it is the modern day GOP. Well, you know, if, if you're if you're a Republican, that you have to be encouraged that Republicans are saying that because it shows a certain level of self-awareness. Um, yeah, I, I'm hearing a lot of the same thing. I think people are pointing to races, <clears throat> Republicans in particular, pointing to races that probably should have been sewn up a long time ago that aren't. And I'm thinking here of places like Kansas, places like Georgia, um, South Dakota's kind of moved off of that uh, that list. But I think Republicans are wondering why are these still competitive races when they're in states that are so friendly to Republicans. And we can talk, as we've talked in the past, about brand problems, et cetera. But what's, here's what's interesting to me, your piece in the Weekly Standard, you've got this nail-biter of an election, control of the Senate hanging in the balance, the uh, uh, the brutal reign of Harry Reid could come to an end. It'll change the dynamic for the White House to a certain degree for the last two years of the presidency. And yet I'm reading all over the place and quoted in your column, people saying, oh, this is an election about nothing. There's nothing going on. Why am I so bored with this election? It's, it's a strange reaction. It's a very strange reaction. I think it's quite telling that it's coming primarily from members of the media. I mean, this is, this is something that the media is saying to basically to explain away something that they didn't catch on to earlier. I mean, I think this is an election that's not only about, not only not about nothing, but it's about everything. And it's in particular about the president of the United States. And while members of the media continue to tell us that it's about nothing, even Barack Obama seems to understand that it's about him. I mean, he's the one who says my policies are on the ballot. He said it repeatedly, much to the chagrin of, of uh, Democrats who are running away from him. So I think everybody understands this, but you have folks in the mainstream media primarily who seem determined to downplay, you know, both the causes for the potential losses that Democrats are about to suffer and the potential consequences, because it follows that if you say that the election is about nothing, then the results of the elections really can't mean that much. You know, another thing, too, that bothers me is uh, 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 some of the implication that, well, one reason this election season seems so flat is that you don't have any colorful candidate, you know, candidates. You don't have any, you know, like where where's the, uh, uh, you know, the uh, Todd Aiken or where's the, I forget her name, from Delaware in 2010, right. you know. And I'm going, you've got him. You've got Wendy Davis, crazy Wendy Davis, who's running this crazy campaign where she's attacking people in wheelchairs. You've got Gene Shaheen, a sitting U.S. senator. 
interrupting Scott Brown an answer that's at the end of the debate, you know, when you're both you have the chance just to give your answer and she interrupts him with some cheesy coke comment images and and uh, uh, the uh, the the crazy to calling congress uh, uh, tom tillis of north carolina uncle tom tillis the georgia democratic party on official state party mailings saying if you don't vote for democrats white people yeah. will kill you i mean everything you want crazy exciting you know nail biter it's all here how can they possibly say this is a yawner of an election well where you sit right i mean it depends what you view as fringe and i think many in the mainstream media i mean we, we don't need to get into an extended debate about whether the media are liberal the media are plainly liberal and so if you're looking at this from the perspective of the center left the people who lately to your left don't seem that fringy they don't seem out of the mainstream whereas if you look at this you know from the center or the center right the stuff that you've mentioned is is exactly that it's crazy it's worthy of attention it's worthy of mocking even i mean todd aiken makes a comment that i thought was absurd and it is instantly a national issue why haven't why haven't Democrats across the country been asked to respond, say, to Wendy Davis's ad, um, not mocking Greg Abbott and the fact that he's in a wheelchair, but certainly making uh, a major issue of it in a way that strikes me as at the very least controversial. But Democrats have across the country haven't been asked to answer for that um, because I think the media don't think that it's that that it's that crazy, that it's that fringy. And then there's this other aspect, which is uh, the uh, focus on races. Why are Republicans, you know, so close in Georgia? And, and they certainly are. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Michelle Nunn ends up winning more of the vote before they go to a runoff in the general election. But, you know, they're saying, why are they so close in, in Georgia? You know, why is it so tight in North Carolina? And walking right past, well, why are the Republican Democrats losing pretty substantially in places like Colorado and Iowa. The mainstream media is walking right past that. And what does that say about the view of President Obama and the standing of the two parties that these two purple states where lots of money has been thrown in to stop the Republicans, the Republicans look like they're going to take it? Yeah, it's a fantastic point. And in a way, I think it's a question that answers itself. I mean, you know, the media aren't as eager to point out potential problems with the Democrats and and Problem, what this means about the Obama presidency, as they are eager to point out problems or uh, controversies within the Republican Party. I mean, this has been true. You can look at this on, on, on an issue-based level, too. I mean, look at the coverage of, for instance, immigration. There are huge divides in the Democratic Party about immigration policy, but all we hear about from the media are the splits among Republicans on immigration policy. Can go on down and talk about national security. And there's this raging gulf, huge gulf uh, between Democrats on national security policy broadly understood, whether you're talking about issues like drones, um, whether you're talking about re-engaging in the Iraq war, huge splits between the sort of pacifist left and the more centrist, moderate uh, mainstream Democratic Party. Where are the front page above the fold New York Times stories exploring those splits and those potentially uh, significant splits. You just don't hear them because Democrats, I think, and, and the media, uh, not to be redundant, are so focused on the problems with Republicans that they often just look right past the problems with their own. 
Speaking of a problem, uh, the uh, White House, the Obama administration, and the Washington in general cannot get out of its own way with the Ebola mess and the astonishing claim that uh, Ebola exposed American civilians are free to roam the bowling alleys and the backwoods of Maine, but American troops are being held in a quarantine right now in Italy who had no direct exposure with Ebola patients. And it's just, and it's just, this is like mistake number 17 in this. My question for you, Steve, you're in Washington, you're watching you know this up close will there be a political impact you think of the Ebola missteps is this going to be yet another little bit of juice in the GOP turnout tank on election day or is this at a different level when it comes to politics no I'd say absolutely there will be and I would argue that we've already begun to see it I mean the shift that I'm talking about in the polls both the generic ballot and in many of the individual uh, Senate races the competitive Senate races I think has to do not necessarily with voters who, who look at the way that the White House has handled Ebola and say, I fault the White House for steps, you know, A, B, and C. But in, in the general sense that the White House, that government, that Washington doesn't know how to address our problems, not solve our problems, but even address our problems. And certainly that's been evident in the comments and the revisions and all of that you've heard from Dr. Frieden, you know, who says one day that, in effect, uh, Ebola is not that something that we need to be that concerned about, that we're going to stop Ebola in its tracks. And literally within days is saying the United States government has to rethink its entire take on Ebola. Uh, that doesn't send uh, confidence. It doesn't, doesn't project confidence to the American people. And when you put that on top of things like the immigration debacle from the summer, um, like the VA scandal, like the IRS scandal, all of these things that we've seen sort of accumulate over the president's, uh, the first two years of the president's second term, I think voters have had it. They say these people in Washington don't know what they're doing, and President Obama's at the center of that. I have a two-part question to wrap up here with Steve. What will the conclusion, do you believe, be that this election was about under these two scenarios? Scenario one is the Republicans... Barely, you know, they maybe get 50 of the seats, you know, and then they end up in a, you know, in a tie and the Democrats take control or maybe 51 of the seats. And it's a very, very close. And the entire thing goes down to the runoff in Louisiana in December and Georgia in, in January versus, say, the Republicans win kind of all the seats where they're in play. They end up picking up eight seats, maybe nine. And it looks like a, a, a solid win. What will the Washington establishment, what will the White House and the people who try to govern us take away from those two scenarios? Well, I think certainly the Washington establishment, the influencers in the Washington media are likely to report those two outcomes in ways that really don't accrue to the benefit of Republicans. I think, you know, if there's some sort of wave or, or mini wave, um, the, the, the tone of the coverage will be, well, this is what we expected. Um, and, you know, unless Republicans take 12 Senate seats, it's unlikely that, that they will be, I think, that, that those results will be discussed as, you know, a mandate for change. And, and you're already hearing this from reporters, you say, because the Republicans have largely run against President Obama, run against their individual candidates and haven't put out our alternative policy plans. They don't have a mandate to do much at all. And on the other hand, I think if you have a very close election or one where, where Republicans don't take control of the Senate, certainly that will be portrayed as a loss. And I think even a minor, a slim Republican win will be portrayed as the Republican Party once again underachieving. Um, you know, it's, it's something that I think Republican Party officials are trying to figure out right now how they're going to 
to handle that, how they're going to, to, to talk about those things. Steve Hayes, thanks for talking to us about these things here on the Weekly Standard Podcast. We appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.